coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I have an in-depth conversation with the Second Amendment advocate and discuss the recently announced Supreme Court case. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. If you like the content we're creating, we'd appreciate it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review as well as a comment. And as always, I cannot start this show without the big man across the table. Big Keith is in the house. Keith, how are we doing tonight? Good. I thought we were going to get another sizzle to my steak. I, I almost I almost had like a little rhyme and I got a little nervous. Oh, I, I got like a little yeah, like, got a it little, got dicey on yeah, me. I'm sorry. All right. um, well, that's okay. I'm I'm happy to be here as always. Um, you know, we were just kind of catching up with the guest tonight and we were telling the story about how we met and, you know, I'm just, just never left. Like we said, I'm still here. Yeah, man. So... Uh, how's it going? What you you said you had a funny a story so, from here or something? It's going good. Yeah. So, uh, you everybody knows that I'm I'm a shotgun shooter mostly, and I'm I'm reloading shotgun shells. Who listens to the show anyway? And obviously, reloading supplies have been near impossible to get. And I've coming a little close to the end of my supply of primers, so I needed to purchase some more. And I had just come to the decision that. I'm just going to pay a little extra for it. Whatever. I got to get them. I, I can't get ammo anyway, so I'm just going to bite the bullet and pay 500 times what they should be paid. So I bid on an auction at, at gunbroker.com and I win and it's a ridiculous price to begin with. And I'm like, I can't believe I just bought these. And as I'm working with the seller to to purchase the item, he tries to jack up the shipping cost from the disclosed amount in the auction. And I was like, buddy, I got an invoice here and I was like, listen, I'm all for capitalism, but you're already. <laughs> Dude, that shipping scam bothers me. And real quick, I, I was looking at buying a product. I don't want to say what it was, but it was a product. I was like, oh, this is so cool. It was a $7 item. I was like, oh, I, I could use it every day and I wanted to support it. It was a second member thing. And then I put it in the cart. It was a $7 item. Shipping was $21. I was like, come, come on. on. I mean, yeah. like, that's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? So I, I get you. I get I, you. I, in this case, I knew it was hazmat, but it was like doubled what it was posted to be. And, you know, and I was, again, I was paying 500 times what the person probably paid for those primers when they were, when they were bought brand new. So anyway, I, it was just an interesting story. Anyone out there, you know, using gun broker, be careful of those things and, um, yeah, have fun. Yeah. Go, go pay for overpriced reloading supplies <laughs> or ammo. So you, you want to do a review real quick? Yeah, I, I want to do a review. All right, cool. So I, I saw the name and I, I'm very happy that this person does not have numbers in their name. Also. Yeah, no, it was a nice one. Five stars. From Colorado Johnny. I like Colorado that name. Johnny. Great, yeah. John, great name. I hope he's a cowboy. It's like, it could be like a cowboy name. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a cowboy. Anyway. Yeah, so he's he a stoner in Colorado. I don't know. Eh, maybe. So he wrote, good afternoon. First discovered your podcast while you were being interviewed on the We Like Shooting Show. Excellent. It was enough to find your podcast and listen to an episode or two. Well, I decided to subscribe as I like the laid back format and interesting conversations among yourselves and the guests. Thanks, John. Well, John, thank you very much for putting that in there. And anybody else out there, if you want us to read your stuff on the air, just go and leave us a comment. We definitely like it. Keith definitely loves it. Yeah. Colorado Johnny, give us another one. I, I, I'll take a frequent, uh, frequent flyer on comments. You can, you can give them every once in a while. Thank you. 
So Keith, you you know you just mentioned you bought primers. Yep. I know you've been paying a lot of attention to the shotgun. You've paying a lot of attention to your 22s. You've been yeah. paying a lot of attention to your new long range sort of kind build. of trying to build, right? Yeah, dude, you have been neglecting your AR-15. Like it is like the redheaded stepchild, and I it feel really bad is. for it. So but, you know, it was funny. I had such a good time taking it out with you and your cousin and your or, or you know C's cousin, and um, I. I I don't know why I don't shoot it more, but it, so all right, we got maybe we, I'm not happy with it. We got to talk about it. You're not happy with it. So I mean, what? What, what if you were going to do something? What would you want to do with it? Uh, I definitely would want to get it. You have given me a hand-me-down grip, which is great. The handguard, right? Yeah, handguard. But I would like to to upgrade that. Well, um, guess what? What? You're in luck. No, what? Would well, you? because we talked about it last week, and Resurgent Arms has a brand new carbon fiber handguard that they're putting out. So get out. You could head on over to Resurgent Arms. You could put in Gun Experiment 12 and you can get 12% off your order. So you should do that and so should everybody else. Support yeah. support Resurgent Arms. They are the sponsor of this show and they are great to us. They're a, Will's a great guy. They're a great company. And, and uh, do not forget one of their safeties too. Yes, yeah, yeah. I Everyone that sees that safety on my rifle or uh, not my rifle, on your rifle, loves it yeah. every time we go out and there. And you, I that. think he's sending you one. I think I think I talked to him. He's going to send you one out. So, Aw, yeah. thanks, Will. Yeah, so we'll, that's guy. one of the new ones. So I haven't even seen it yet. He said oh, yeah, the new generation one. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So Keith, uh, really quick before we get into our guest, yeah. you and I have been having conversations. You and I like to goof around, shoot the shit. We do silly things like alligators versus sharks. And that's all fun and it's it's great. But- you and I have been kind of chomping at the bit to have a more serious conversation, right? To have a That's little true. bit more, get, dive a little deeper. We've even talked about doing more of a long form. Yep. So today, if you're listening, if you're one of our loyal listeners, today's going to be a little different. We're probably only get to you know one or two segments. We're probably going to cut off the third one. And we really want to have a really good uh, long form conversation with our guests tonight. So it, this this could go an hour and a half. It could go two hours. I don't even know where this is going. We're just going to let it go. And if you got to hit pause. Does, does the guest know? Did they, did they know they signed up for, uh, for this? Hey, man, they're for, the, they're for the long haul. I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> So <laughs> anyway, so if, be patient, hit pause, come back to it, do what you got to do. But I promise you, it is going to be a great conversation. Right, can you announce the guest so I can stop I can saying guest? guest. Yes. I, don't want, I want to stop saying guest. Sorry. Our guest <laughs> tonight is a Second Amendment advocate, a writer and director, firearms trainer, and the creator of the Bravo Oscar Rifle. Please welcome Argo Jay to the show. Jay, what's up? What's up? But that was exciting. I was like, how many more times am I going to have to say guest? And I can't say Jay. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty geeked up myself. So like, that was cool. Well, yeah. uh, we're, we're like, we like to hop up the guest a little bit or now I don't have to say guest anymore. Jay, we like to get you a little excited about being here with us. Oh, I'm definitely excited, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. So like I said in that little that little uh, intro or disclaimer, normally we kind of like goof around a lot and we like jump from like segment to segment, but we really want to like dive deep here because I think you have a lot of really important stuff to talk about and it goes everything from training to advocacy, but I want to really get your take on a lot of this stuff. So before we get into any of that, take us back to the beginning before you were an advocate. How did you get into firearms? Like where did this all start for you? Um, okay, good. Cause I thought you wanted me to go back to like my mom and dad and the whole you know, <laughs> beginning thing, but okay. We're good here. So, uh, so uh, let's see here. Uh, I've always been, you know, one of those dudes, uh, as a kid who, who just was drawn to firearms cause I thought they looked cool. Uh, but as I got older, I, I developed a healthy, um, desire to learn more about them. 
um, when I went to college, uh, bought my first firearm and I fell in love. Uh, we used to shoot it in my friend's basement. I don't know how safe that was, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we couldn't really go to the range uh, because we weren't exactly old enough to, you know, be in possession of firearms, but it was still legal for us to purchase where I was. So, Oh, that's it, interesting. Yeah. It, it was a, Georgia's great like that. Uh, so, um, but you know, um, so that, that happened. And then I lost that firearm, didn't have fire. Well, it was stolen. Um, and then didn't have firearms for a long time. Uh, and then I was a father and then I was a firearms owner again. Um, and there was a situation that happened where I had to actually go to my rifle. Uh, and, you know, that situation kind of sat with me for a long time. I never had to discharge it, uh, fortunately. But so I read I read something about that. And I actually I actually do want to I might talk about that a little later. But I did I read something that like when you were a young boy, like you took apart. Uh, was it a grandmother or a mother's uh, 22 or something? Is that you, 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 wow, that you really dug up the, I don't, wherever you dug that up, I need that link. But <laughs> I, yeah, I took apart my. Jay, listen, I got to tell you, you're not the first person to tell us that we do our homework. So we may pull some surprises out of the, out of the, yeah. uh, the bag here. I'm already excited. As soon as he said that, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me put my disclaimer out there. I can know, you know I cannot really accept. Or confirm or deny anything that they say. <laughs> like, so I'm just going to say, you know, whatever I have to say. But no, seriously. Yeah, I took apart my grandmother's. She had like a pearl handle 25. Okay, uh, all grandmothers have a pearl handle 25. Only the cool ones. <laughs> the coolest thing ever. You know, and I took it apart and I was like, oh, shit, I can't get it back together. <laughs> like I was maybe 16, 15. I don't know. And I couldn't get it back together. So I had to keep it. You know, until I figured out how to get it back together. And then I did about two days later, I think it was, you know, I finally got it back together after sweating and nearly. Do you guys? Why, why did you take it apart, though? Because I'm curious like that. Like, I'm that dude. Did like, you do that for like no, everything work. like toys, TVs, refrigerators? Well, no, toys I didn't give a shit about. Okay. Like, uh, But, you know, I, I wanted to know how it worked. Um, and I just. My curiosity just got the best of me, and I took it apart. Good for you. Uh, it was fairly easy to take apart. There were buttons and levers, and I'm glad I didn't shoot myself. Yeah, uh, was real. it loaded? <laughs> you know, but uh, but I took it apart. But I, I I was smart enough to to unload it. Yeah, uh, and I did take it apart. Um, and like I said, I, I I don't even know if it worked after that. After I put it back together, because <laughs> I didn't get a chance to test fire it or anything. That's funny. So so. All right. So the other thing I read was that eventually down the road, you actually started showing you worked for a gun shop and you started to actually teach other people how to build ARs. Right. Yeah. So so you, this sort of like initial like tink, you're a tinkerer, by the way. So are we. Mm -hmm. So that sort of led you to kind of do this for a living and, and to make money doing that. Um, so where did this sort of working in the gun shop and building ARs, how did that lead you to becoming a recognized two A advocate? Because that's you know, that's obviously where you are now. Well, for those of you that, because this is audio only, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for those of you that can't tell or don't know, uh, I'm black and uh, there are not a lot of black or were not a lot of black gun guys and gals that were visible uh, when I was starting this. And, you know, I just wanted to make sure that my voice was heard and that people that looked like me uh, could have somebody that they could identify with. Um, 
And that's kind of what led me into, you know, the whole YouTube thing, because I wanted to be visible and I wanted people to see that, hey, you know, it, it it's OK. You can do this like this is for you, too. This is for us. This is for everybody. Uh, and of course, there was major pushback, of course. But, uh, you know, because I call it the Highlander effect because Coley yeah. on the wire has come out, my good buddy. Yeah. But uh, uh and, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Highlander, you know, but there can only there be, can be one. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, you know, I, there was a lot of that. Um, so uh, and there's a lot of that still in the community, uh, but we're working on that. Do you, do, do you remember the the activity or the thing that happened that made you say I'm a, I'm a Second Amendment advocate? Like, was there was there was there a, a particular event or something that where you where you knew from then on out you were going to be known? as Argo J second amendment advocate. Uh, there were two. Um, one was, like I said, the, the time where I had to go to my rifle, mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I realized that evil has no definition of when it's going to rear its head. Um, and you just have to be ready. Uh, and people need to understand that and know that. Um, so that was the first one. And the second one was when I went to a gun show here locally in Wisconsin, um, for those of you that know, it was called the Bob and Rocco gun show. And I don't give a shit. About, uh, do you guys curse on here? I keep, uh, I don't yeah, know. We, we don't encourage it, but go ahead. We're, yeah, I, I'll just, yeah, I'll make it explicit. Go ahead. Yeah, we don't, it's no big deal. Okay. So I'll try to check my sailor. Now nah, be you, be you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so this, this gun show, I go out there, I was building a rifle and I broke a cheap wrench that I bought, uh, armor's wrench. So I want, I needed a new rifle. I mean, a new wrench. And luckily enough, there was a gun show because most stores at the time didn't carry parts for uh tinkering um so i go out there i get in line i pay my five dollars to the show hosts uh and as i'm walking in one of the show hosts looks up at me and says ah you came to get you a little something to take back to the hood huh <gasps> and oh i and i just kind of like you know i had to like swallow my tongue and all kind of stuff and yeah you wanted to get in there were all kind of things that i wanted to say but i didn't and i said look i don't know what you're talking about i live in mequon which is an affluent area, which I didn't, you know, and I didn't live in the hood either, but still I wanted to prove a point. Right. Um, so I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I just kind of walked in and, mm. you know, another white dude was standing on the side and he just kind of slow clapped me real quietly, uh, you know, like for handling it that way. But, you know, it was at that moment that I realized like things have to change. Like, like everything is not just because I'm black doesn't mean that I, I, I don't know what the hood is. I mean, I do, but like, that doesn't, what does that mean? You know, and why would that be the first thing that you think of? Why can't I just be an American that's, that's right. buying yeah. something because my right as an American? Yeah. So, let, so I'm glad you just you just said your right as American. So, I I said and I've said in the past. I actually said it on a another interview um, that I believe that gun rights are a civil rights issue, and it kind of raised eyebrows. Like, like, did you mean to say that? And I mean, I suppose you could. There's minutia, and you could say civil liberties or whatever if you want to get into, but. I said, yeah, I, I definitely believe that. You know, I, I truly do. You also hold this belief, right? You you say this. So I, I want to hear your take on this. Why do you think guns are a civil rights issue? What? Because those rights that we value the most mean nothing if we can't protect them. And it's just that simple. If I can't protect the, those things, what good are they? Yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I did some some reading on the difference between civil rights, civil liberties, and like civil rights is, you know, things that are supposed to, the government is supposed to enact to make the playing field level so that we're all, that we're all the same. And, sure. and if you're doing gun control, 
you're doing the exact opposite of that. Yeah. You're not leveling the playing field. You're doing the, the complete opposite of what that's supposed to do. So it's definitely absolutely. a civil rights issue, in my opinion. It's you know, it absolutely is. It's really the only, it's really, I mean, I guess the First Amendment and the Second Amendment are the two most questioned rights of all, of all of them. I mean, they, they get they get questioned more often because they're the most important. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a good that's a good way. But is it is it fair to say, um, Jay, that do you think the reason why the eyebrows go up when you say guns is so do you think there's a lot of people that ignorantly think civil rights is just a race issue because of like the whole civil rights movement? Like, Do you think people actually don't I know? Think there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of that association. But I also think that it's just ignorance. I think that people just don't know what civil rights mean um, and what it means to be or to, to protect or have the ability to protect um, the things that we value the most, uh, which are our life, liberty, and the, the ability to uh, have a, a, a great life and to keep these things. It's nothing material, you know, but it's the rights that we are supposed to have protected by those that we place in positions of power. Um, yep. And, you know, they, they that, work for all of us. They, they, they're supposed to. Yeah. It, you know, it, so. we I've had this interesting um, thought that I've been sharing a little bit lately, and it's 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 the use of the word leader by these elected officials. You know, I'm they very, very cautious when I say that, you know, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, they they all use it. They all say that they're leaders. No, you're not a leader. You're an elected official and you're supposed to do the will of the people. Right. I think that the government has just like it, it's been lost um, and it's all the way around the board. I'm very conservative, um, but it, it's, it's been lost all the way around the board. I think, I think that oh, yeah. too much personal uh, people are too much concerned with their personal and emotional connections and, and, and feelings versus the needs of, of the people mm-hmm. uh, because that's where I think the focus need be. Uh, and if you're not in tune and if you don't have, your ear to the ground to know what the people are really talking about and what the people really need and want, uh, then you're not doing your job, but it's up to us to hold them accountable. Correct. Up to us to light that fire under them to make sure that they do. It's unfortunately something that we don't do enough as a, as a, as a society, you know, we've lost and I don't, you know, I mean, we could have a whole conversation about where, where that, where that, that disconnect came from, but um, can you tell, tell our listeners a little bit about some of your training programs that you do. Um, are you still teaching people how to build ARs? Uh, I don't so much anymore because I just don't have the time to, yeah. uh, but you know, I still do basic firearms trainings, um, a you know, uh, handgun, sometimes rifle, but more people are interested in, of course, handguns because they can carry them. Yep. Um, I don't do CCW classes uh, publicly. I do private CCW classes, though, uh, only because I want to vet everybody that I (laughs) uh, train for CCW. Um, Not that everybody doesn't have the right, just that I'm not putting my name and association, you know, on everybody's CCW. Because, unfortunately, you know, certain people or some people rather just just don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm. I just don't want that liability attached to me. Does so. does your training uh, is it just you, or do you bring in like trainers from around the country and kind of have? Is it more you by yourself? Like how how does it's me by myself? Uh, but we are going to start. I just started the Argo Academy, the Argo Training Academy. What's that? Uh, uh, and the Argo Training Academy is just uh, an umbrella of trainers that I have relationships with that I'm going to be bringing in uh, 
over the next over the starting the course of this year after the training and learning event in Missouri, uh, in Missouri uh, here to Wisconsin to try to just offer people a broader base of training uh, and different perspectives on training because every trainer does things differently. And mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, we start to get good turnouts and people realize that there's more than just going to the range and punching holes in paper. Yeah, it's really important to have to find, you know, a trainer that you are confident that they know what they're talking about and that they're not just uh, past the basic NRA <laughs> training right. course. And there's play. a there's a place for that, too. Right. Yeah, but there but, is a place for that. But 100%. It, it depends what you're looking to accomplish. Right. Correct. So basic Correct. safety, yeah. basic handling, you. you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like I've, I've trained with with a lot of good people um, and, you know, I've taken more advanced trainings, but I will not train other people that way because number one, my experience with training uh, those more advanced techniques and, and uh, tactics is minimal. So I don't want to just say, Oh, I'm a trainer and I'm training yeah. everybody and everything. Cause I don't, I'm, I'm not about that. I'm about safety. I think the, the, I think, and responsibility, I think the key word is being a responsible firearms owner. And in doing so um, I can't be negligent or, or, just so ignorant that I'm that I think that I'm above it all and teach people things that I probably should never teach them, you know. Even though I'm, I'm, you know, fluent in it, but still, you know, it's not my it's not my lane. Yeah. While Mike and I were doing a little digging, uh, Jay, I had come across a YouTube video that you had done like six years ago about a New York compliant AR. I think it was a Black Rain ordinance. Yeah. yeah. The rifles were pretty cool and ugly all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we're well, out of New York. We're so at, should, yeah. Exactly. We're in New York. That's that's why I bring this up because you talked about a, the, a lot of the downsides that any of us New Yorkers, uh, you know, that recognize. And that is, you know, you're not allowed to have a muzzle device. You got to have 10 round mags. The grip, you know, depending on what grip you have, you're limited to, you know, whether it's a detachable mag, not detachable mag, bolt lock, no bolt lock, you know, so... I wanted to, you know, you 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 recognize all these downsides, and I really wanted to um, to talk to you or ask you why do you think you know states feel that laws like like the Safe Act help their gun control position? You know, anyone, you know, if you're, I know you're familiar with the AR15 platform. Anyone who is familiar with that platform knows that all of these things that we're talking about are fixed in a matter of minutes, changed in a matter of minutes. Why do they think that these things help their positions? I, I, I can't figure it out. I think the key word tonight is going to be ignorance, <laughs> um, you know, and it's just that, that they just don't know, you know, they just have no idea. The black rifles have been demonized so much and vilified so much that people really believe that these are the gateway to hell. <laughs> like we do. Like if you own an AR-15, you're it's automatically a of war. you and Satan dance every night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Like we, you and I know, and the people out there hopefully know that an AR-15, first of all, it, it's a 22. You know what I mean? It's really? Caliber round. Yeah. Uh, it's 22 well, on steroids. I was going to say, it, 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 moves, it moves pretty quick. Well, it, it does move quick, but everybody with this, oh, but it leaves holes in, in yes. the side of the yeah. and watermelons and all that. Like, black dude talking about watermelon. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, but but it doesn't. Like, like let's be real. Like, and I, I just think that it's been vilified so much that lawmakers move on emotion. 
more than fact. Yeah. And that emotion prohibits them from even 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 being able to accept a different alternative. And, and I think that yeah. in in turn is what goes back to that ignorance thing that you talked about. That they don't even realize that they're like they're they're saying to themselves, "Oh, this this makes it not so scary." But the reality is, it's it's literally something that is so easy to fix and change. It, 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 it's crazy to me. But, but you're missing the point. The point of it is, is that it's not about really fixing it. It's feel-good legislation that makes the yeah. person who you're doesn't right. like they guns... feel like you're doing something good. Yeah. So, so let That's me it. tell you something. That's I it. could live in New York. I could have that same exact New York compliant rifle. Yep. Right? However, who's to say I'm actually going to run a 10-round magazine because that, that rifle will still accept <laughs> a 30-round magazine, yeah. a drum or anything. So if I'm intent on doing harm, I don't give a damn about the law or any of that. Like I'm going for maximum carnage, you know, and I think that's what they don't understand. And sometimes I hate publicly saying these things because I don't ever want it to be taken out of context. But, uh, you know, when, when the, when the, um, the Sandy Hook shooting happened, you know, they were talking about, oh, we got to get rid of standard capacity magazines, but they were talking about high capacity, mm-hmm. um, you know, high capacity magazines and blah, 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 blah. I said, look, you give me an AR-15 and six 10 round mags and I can do the same damn damage before any first right. responder yep. even gets the yeah, call. 100%. You know what I mean? So, like, we have to stop accepting these nonsensical you know, safety ideologies or this nonsensical theater of safety that they push, you know, to say that we're going to to help the people. No, that's not going to help the people because the only people that are harmed by that are people who follow the law. Right. You can't, you know what it is, you know what it is, Jay? You cannot legislate to stop crazy and criminal. You just can't. You can't legislate evil. That's what we always say. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and it, you just you just can't do it. So we're we're talking about this the AR fifteen. I'm glad Keith brought that up. I know that you had a situation where you almost had to defend your life, uh, or you felt you needed to, and your AR fifteen was the uh, the weapon of choice, so to speak. Um, can you give me just you don't have to go into the full the the full gamut of it, but just I just want to kind of get uh, a feel for how this whole thing played out for you. All right. Uh, well, it was all because my I lived in a duplex. My upstairs neighbor slept with the dude's girl and he got his buddies and his buddies came to jump my upstairs neighbor who wasn't home at the time. They came about 12, 13 deep trying to kick in the side door, which was the, our shared door. Um, and, you know, my kid was in at the time. Um, my daughter was in the room sleep and I had no idea what was going on. Grabbed a pistol looked out the door, saw a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, and said, oh, no. This isn't enough. <laughs> right. Went back, grabbed my rifle. Uh, and then I went and confronted them because I'm not going to let them get in the house. You know, and people are like, well, why'd you leave the safety of your home? Because my child is in there and I'm right. not going to let the fight come inside my house. That's right. stupid. You know, so I met them outside. We had a brief conversation and they happened to see my rifle and started to back off. But, you know, uh, luckily I never had to use it, you know, but, it, you know, I had already made up my mind that if it was go time, it was going to go. So I, I, I'm not trying to to uh, to make fun or uh, of the story, but I am going to say there is an example, Mike, of where open carry 
was a deterrent, right? He comes out of the house. He's, you know, showing his rifle. And these guys were like, whoa, wait a minute. Let me hear what this guy has to say. And it didn't go any farther because he came out showing it. Right. And well, I, you know, I, I wouldn't call it open carry, but I get your point. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they didn't see it until one of them tried to flank me and he saw it. And then like, in my video, if you ever saw the video, you know, the dude, you know, screams out, oh, dude got a tech in his hand. Like, he had no, <laughs> idea, had no idea what I had. You wanted to introduce him was. to that uh, gun show host. <laughs> oh, right, right. You know, so. Uh, is that, vid- so, that video is on YouTube for our listeners that they want to listen to? If it they is. Want- that, yeah. that is a video on YouTube. I think it's approach uh, reaching over 2 million views now. Wow. Um, yeah, that video is entitled Why I Needed My AR-15. You know what's funny, uh, Jay, is I have a I have a an anti-gun friend. And every time, obviously, he he doesn't. We don't know these people, but anytime there's like a you know four people come into a house and someone defends their lives with a gun against four people, he always says the same thing, which is, I firmly believe that you know the only reason why four people would ever attack someone's house is because they had you know they must have been uh, they they had some reason for four people to. And it's like, well, in this situation, th- there was whatever teen t- thirteen people. They were coming for the guy upstairs. It had nothing to do with you, but like, it doesn't matter, right? Like <laughs> these things happen. And now you're, you're, I can now tell this story and be like, there you go. <laughs> the, the guy had nothing to do with it. He almost had himself in a bad situation, but people are so ignorant. They always think like, oh, that person must've had it coming. Or why would five people come break down your door? They must've been selling drugs. They must've been involved in this. Like, oh my God, it's so what, ignorant. What it's do you so think would have happened if you didn't have a firearm? I don't know. I don't know. I, I fret to even go that far. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that it happened at a junction in my life where I had already decided to become a firearms owner yeah. again. Yeah. You know, uh, like, I mean, I'm not glad it happened, but you know what I'm saying? I'm glad it happened at that time chronologically because, uh, you know, my daughter's sleeping in the, in the room, like, like, and, and those, those guys, some of them were armed, you know, not all of them, but some of them were armed. Uh, so had I not had a firearm, like, I don't know, I might not be here. Did they, did they show, did they show, uh, their firearm when, when they saw you had one? I saw one for sure. And then I saw other guys like reaching inside of their clothes, like they were trying to conceal some things. Uh, yeah. so I don't know if they were just fronting or if they had things in there. Yeah, um, yeah. and then once they left, uh, and started to walk away, I saw, two more guys pull them out. So I know that there were three for sure. Um, but, I, but a total of eight people, about six, uh, six to eight of them were acting like they had firearms, you know, including the, the, the guys that actually did. Wow. So, you yeah. know, and, uh, that was, <laughs> that was, that was very interesting, you know, and, and we're talking about a guy that at that time myself, who was not even trained like I am now, yeah, you know, right. I just yeah. owned the rifle at that time. So, you know, it was so let's let's kind of go back to I want to talk more about your at your advocacy actually well we haven't really talked about it yet but I want to talk about your advocacy so you've been working on a documentary called Black Ops um mm-hmm. I know Black Ops I know that it stands for something I'm gonna let you kind of go into that but can you tell us about it and what made you decide to write and direct the documentary I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty intense move um so what how did this whole whole thing come about uh well like the 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 gun show host you know it was it was that that little incident that started the snowball down its hill um like <laughs> I, I think people well first of all let, let, let's talk about this so black ops stands for black opinion in popular society and the opinion we're talking about is the association 
or the negative association with black Americans and firearms. Um, there's always this negative connotation that, uh, or association that says, you know, black people and, and firearms are bad. Uh, you're a drug dealer or you're a criminal or you're a murderer or this, that, and the other. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I mean, yes, some people have chosen to do illegal things with, uh, with, with these tools, but you know, black Americans have a, a, a rich history, a positively rich history with firearms in America. In fact, so much so that gun laws that are on the books right now were all started to prevent people that look like me from owning firearms. Mm-hmm. Once the slaves were freed, um, freed slaves were you know, we're trying. They tried to keep them from owning firearms for fear of retaliation. Well, Harry, uh, Harriet Tubman was a, a very big proponent of guns, and and that was you know, from what I understand, was you know because of the fact of what she was doing, she needed to pr- protect. So I mean, like that, it goes all the way back to to you know really really early times in our country's history. Yeah, it goes back to even before that to the the slave codes. You know, so but uh, uh, you know, and I'm not here to give a history lesson. No, no, yeah, for people to do their own research because of course I'll be lying and what I'm saying isn't factual. So <laughs> I, I, I implore you all to challenge my words and my theory and go yeah. do your own research and then come back to me. We, we like to think we, we like to think we have <laughs> listeners that do that. Mike and I certainly try to do it. We were doing that before the show, you know, but that that's probably the single most thing that gets overlooked in these type of conversations is, is fact checking and, uh, you know, and research about history, you know, yeah, you know, I try to do that about everything. I, I try not to even speak unless I know what I'm saying is fact. Uh, because so everybody, you know, I think, uh, do you guys know Vigilant Inspector VSO gun channel? No, I do not know. You know, haven't heard of him. Okay. Well, you know, he said something, Visual you know, Inspector. everybody's so intent. Wait, I think I wrote the quote down. It was so good to me. He said, uh, people want to, people who want to be first, may not necessarily do their homework on being correct. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> that's, that's everybody good. wants to be first, but nobody wants to do the damn work to, to, yeah. to be yeah. right. Right. You know? So your documentary is about the opinion, right? The opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because um, this had nothing to do with the show. I was just looking, like poking around the uh, the interwebs and whatnot. And actually it was Colin Noir said something, and I will totally butcher this so i'm paraphrasing but basically what he said was the idea that there's a whole billion dollar industry that glorifies black people using guns in negative ways and you know and it's accepted it's accepted in popular culture but then the second someone like him or you wants to have a gun with legal you know legally and for good purpose you're you're the one who's villainized, which is crazy. Absolutely, because it goes against the narrative, and we can't continue to push guns as a bad thing. So for a long time, uh, and I know this is kind of off the topic of the documentary, but for a long time, it was intentionally guns and black. And I hate using I don't I try not to use the word guns anymore. I don't know if you if you followed me on that before, um, but firearms and black Americans were always portrayed um in the same light and they kind of went hand in hand and that was intentional uh because they wanted they being the powers that be media or whoever um because it it all goes back to the whole thing about black people being sub um subservient kind of people and uh 
like subhuman and 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 just inherently evil or or very animalistic uh and savage um that guns were the tool of these criminals these black criminals and these were the tools of choice but like i said that's only a handful of black americans that chose to do that but the same way that handfuls of non-black americans chose to use those tools sure. in the wrong way you know the same uh same way that anybody who's intent on doing something stupid or doing something evil or bad chooses to use those tools. So not just black people, but it was portrayed that way because people were still afraid of black people. So you're talking about in the eighties and the nineties where, you know, you, you got to realize even right now in 2021, you know, we're, we're only 60, 70 years removed from Jim Crow. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So we're still fairly like freedom. Isn't something that, that black people really know, you know what I mean? People who aren't black have had and can enjoy freedom for a very long time, you know, but people who are black and brown, uh, specifically black first, uh, but uh, we haven't known freedom for very long. Like my father's 83, you know what I mean? So we haven't been free as long as he's been alive, you know, it's been a shorter amount of time. So, so I'm, try, I'm trying to remember who put that in perspective for me, but it, you know, um, I, I think it might've been Joe, Joe Rogan interview. Like he had made this statement about, and again, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase to Mike, something about like that. We're only like two generations or two and a half generations away from slaves, you know? And, yeah. and when you put it in the perspective that you just put it in, it really kind of drives that home, you know? Listen, we obviously have a lot of work to do, but I do, I want to go back to your documentary in one second. We obviously have a lot of work to do, but I always try, this is me, glass is half full. We have done a lot of good in a fairly short amount of time. The point is you, we got to keep pushing, right? We got to keep pushing to make things better, but we, we've done a lot in what you just said, one generation really, right? You know, I think that, (laughs) I think that there have been definite strides towards the positive side, um, but I think a lot of it um, hasn't been accepted on a on a larger scale. That's um, fair. That's fair. Yeah, I was going to say I would agree with accepted. that. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it's not still here. Oh, it definitely is. And that, yeah. don't 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 take what I said out of context. No, what no, I'm not saying, you. yeah, yeah, who subscribe to that that negative thought? Not yeah. you, right? And. and so, I want to ask a question that maybe maybe it's going to come across as a little ignorant. And I apologize, but ignorance is a good thing. Ignorance can be fixed. What? So. How, how how can you know? We're having this conversation right now, and you know, um, we're not from the same place, right? You know, you you live someplace, we live in another place, and you know, we're, our skin is not necessarily the same color. But how, how do we show, or or how can we show that we? are totally accepting of these things and that we agree with the theories that you're talking about and that there's totally room for, you know, any American to own a gun like we talk about and, and to learn how to, to shoot them respectfully and, and to own them for self-protection and all of those things. How can, how can we make what you're talking about not an issue for people that don't have it as an issue? Like, how do you implement, like, I get, I get it. I get it. So, You know, I have this theory that simplicity is complex. Um, The most simple things become complex in relationships and life, whatever. Uh, I think the the way we do it is by just doing it. You know, I tell my what we're doing right now, right? Like what we're doing. 
like live it, like walk the walk, like be accepting, yeah. be inclusive. Like you say you want to do it. You want it, not you, but generally speaking, um, you say you want to do it. You say you want to do these things, then actually do it. Stop flapping your lips and do it. Okay. Like it takes nothing to say, Hey, let's go shoot. That's refreshing. That's refreshing to hear, you know, because Mike and I feel like we do it. And this is an example of us doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I hope you agree. And, and, you know, so here, so that's good to hear. It yeah. makes me happy. So let's go, back, let's go back to the documentary. I, I really yeah. want to hear about the documentary. I have to say this because there's two sides to everything. Um, so the other side of that coin is be open to having the tough conversations yeah. because if you don't have those tough and hard conversations, then we, we don't allow room for growth. You know, we stay stagnant. So we have to have those tough conversations. Uh, and so many times in so many places, those conversations are avoided because people are uncomfortable because it makes them feel this way or that way, or it, ha- it, it makes them have to uh, identify with a truth that they don't want to identify with, you know, um, like I have white friends who, you know, when we talk or, and I still call them my friends, but you know, whatever. Um, when we talk, they say, well, I'm not racist. Well, don't you realize that you telling me that, or you feeling that you have to plead that is, it comes from a place of not racism, but racial indifference. Like, and there's a difference between racist and racial. And, you know, if you want me to, I'll go into that a little bit later, but, and we have to be able to discern between the two, but you know, like, you don't have to say that, like, just be it. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. don't have to say that. You don't have to say, well, I have, you know, I do this with black so-and-so and so-and-so. <laughs> I have black friends. Like, so what? So I don't care if you don't have black friends, just be nice to everyone. Yeah. Right, right. Like, yeah, that's a I good mean? point. Like, I don't give a damn about that. Like, come on now. I was on Clubhouse. Don't know if you're familiar with it. And no. I was in a, in a pro-gun group white people, black people, you know, everybody in between. And I said, screw it. I'm going to ask this question because I I just, I don't care. I want to have this conversation. And I started talking about, um, I forget what it was, but it was something about like sort of like racial differences in gun ownership and and like you could hear a pin drop. I mean, like it was like, I was like, I I really just want to hear the opinion of someone that's different than me because I, I don't know and I want to learn. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious, like that was not a conversation. I wish I remember exactly the details, but I, I agree with you. Like, how can we fix anything if we're not willing to have conversations and not crucify the person who's trying to do something out of pure good, out of trying to just understand things? But it was the most, I got to tell you, it was one of the most awkward things ever because yeah. you could tell that nobody wanted to have that conversation. conversation. Yeah. yeah. Well, these- you, know, you know, like I said, I work, I work in public education. Um, there was a, a a social worker one day who came to me and asked me, hey, Mr. So-and-so, uh, can I talk to you about something? Like, I don't know, you know, how to approach it, but I, I really have to know this. And I said, yeah, go ahead. What is with the way that black people discipline their kids? Like, I grew up in a home that didn't hit. And I said, OK, that's fair. Like, I, I, I appreciate you asking versus a parent spanking their child for doing something wrong and discipline their child. And then you calling social services. Right. Like, 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 I don't know if you guys grew up getting 
ass whoopings or whatever. But <laughs> I, I got the belt occasionally. Yeah, I got a wooden spoon. I'm an Italian. I'm an Italian household, so I got a wooden spoon. <laughs> oh, look, my and I got a buddy who's Italian too here, and he got more than the spoon. He got the foot. He got the knee. He got all kind of shit. So I was like, I get it. Like, but you know, a parent has the right to do what they feel they need to do to rear their child and to discipline their child. Yeah. But there are cultural differences. There are. And you have to be aware of them uh, so that we don't villainize somebody for doing something that is correct. There's a whole culture here. There's a Hmong culture here where uh, um, or an Asian culture where they put uh, like quarters or hot pieces of metal on mm-hmm. their kids to do something. That's their culture. And I'm not I, I might be butchering it. So somebody can yeah. correct. Me. But like to me, it may seem you know, like abuse and brutal and savage, but it's not to them. That's what they, and it doesn't, I don't think that, I think that's what, that's what they do. That's what they do. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm not going to shame somebody for being who they are because I'm not, or I don't understand it. And that translates in and transfers into the gun community. And and you were, you were just happy that the person was a, was willing to have the tough conversation or ask the question, you know, I'd rather you say, Hey, let's cure this disease of ignorance than continue to be ignorant and cause further problems. You know, and I, and I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say really part of the issues with this tough conversation, you know, idea that we're talking about is that, you know, us, you know, people like us are able to have the conversation and are able to, you know, admit when they don't know the answer, they don't know what the what the other position is. But there are people on both sides of this argument that cannot have tough duck conversations and just resort to yelling and screaming because they're not able to have the tough conversation. And that that has to change. And that goes back to just kind of what we were alluding to a little bit earlier on in the interview that we could get into another conversation. But society has just broken down the ability to have these tough conversations. We just can't have them the way we're having them normally anymore. They were very normal at a time, just not today. They were. They were. You know, I call it the the whole pacification of America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like two, two, two key things. Like, objectivity and listening yeah like if you can if you can master those two things you can have the tough conversations you know uh so and then along with that comes respect but that respect comes from being having the ability to be uh objective and and to listen so that automatically is the definition of respect and conversation you know what's funny is uh so i do um brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah and i always say you want to cure racism you want to cure you know whatever uh uh sexism all this stuff have people do grapple have people like i don't i don't want to say fi- i don't want to say fight i don't want to say fight but the reason i say that you is, want me to go sweat on some people <laughs> that's why keith won't do it he sweats too much but no right. the, the reason i say that is I, i've grappled with white people black people hispanic people asian people you know i got news for you when they're when someone's choking you out or someone's giving you a hell of a time on the mats, listen, you don't care what what they are, who they are, you have a lot of respect for that person. You have a respect for what they can do to you, and you have respect for the fact that in turn at times you're you're have the upper hand you're doing to them. And it's a bond. You know, you look at like fight camps, there's a bond there because they, they say beyond all this stuff because there's a respect where in normal society, it's, you just said pussification of America. People 
aren't scared of getting their ass whooped because you know we we've allowed everyone to i don't i don't really like the term snowflake it's a little whatever yeah. but like everyone's become snowflake everyone's like you know everyone is protected use, use the word marshmallow yeah. marshmallow yeah. every well i'm a white guy so that, that's a little offensive to me but i'm just I look, I look like a marshmallow <laughs> yeah keith looks like one so they, they have pink marshmallows you know and orange so you all know, right all right yeah all right so keith got you i know you had something I'm yeah sorry. well uh, I want to. I do want to bring back to this documentary a little bit because I. I am curious. Can Can you share some of the stories that you've documented in this film? Film? Are you Are you Are you comfortable doing that? Uh, yeah. Well, well, well. Without getting into the stories, like what it is, it. Um. So, a lot of the people who are in it are just regular guys and gals, um, like myself, Maj Ray, Khalil Noir, Kevin Dixie, um and many, many more. Uh, and a lot of it is just following these people so that people can see that, hey, we do a vast, we, we, we do have a variety of professions. Uh, we do a variety of different things. We're fathers, we're mothers, we're sons and daughters, uncles and aunts and entrepreneurs and educators and lawyers and doctors and pharmacists and whatever, you know, and it's just painting the picture that it's not what you think. It's not what, society would lead you to believe um and we have to change the image of the way we view people who don't look like us because we've been told this one thing and now that one thing haunts us and it scares us to no end and when we see a black person and we see them in association with firearms automatically we go into panic mode because that just can't be because it automatically means something bad is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So like I was telling you the story about how I got my name, that's what happened when I would go to the range. You know, they would look at us like, oh my God, who are these N-words walking in here with these guns and what's about to happen? Like, not that I was, we were going to do anything wrong to them, but we we automatically couldn't know what we were doing with firearms. Yeah, or yeah. You know, I, we, like when a guy came up to me, he, he looked at one of my guns and it was a gun that I built. And he was like, man, this gun is badass. Like, where'd you get it? And I said, I built it. And he said, you built it. And he kind of looked at me like <laughs> I said it in German. And I was like, well, you know, and he said, well, where'd you learn to build it? And I looked at him and I said, well, where does anybody learn to build something? Hmm. You know what I mean? So, and and he looked at me again, like I had a thumb growing out of my forehead. But it's like, <laughs> you know, people don't feel like, like I'm also Catholic. So it's like people look, when I say I'm Catholic, people say, what, you're black and Catholic? Like, yes, I'm <laughs> Yeah, Catholic. that happens. <laughs> You know, like it, I'm a cradle Catholic, my grandfather, my grandmother, and before them, they were all Catholic. Like it's, it's real, you know? So, um, we do exist, you know, people out there, but, yeah, <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, that we have to get rid of these stereotypes and we have to get rid of these assumptions and we have to start viewing people more on, um, the basis of just being American than anything else. You know, I don't care what you are, as long as you fly that, as long as old glory flies and you and you love it, you're my brother, you're my sister. And I'm not going to knock you until you show me that I have to knock you. But that's going to be based on your character, not the color of your skin. Whenever, whenever possible. And I am asked anything that, you know, is not like really super, super official. If I'm asked for ethnicity questions or anything like that, I just say I'm American. You know, like, I don't want to say I'm white. I don't want to say I'm black. I don't want to say I'm brown. I don't want to say I'm Asian. I want to say anything. I want to say I'm an American. And I think if we could do that more, <laughs> you know, right. that would. So, so if you notice, I never use the term African-American. I don't know if you ever, if you found that in my, in your research. I had, no, I had not. 
Yeah, should have told, uh, like, we told you guys. Say it, even though it was the moniker, you know, that I adapted. You know, Argo J yeah. stands for African American. I mean, Argo stands for African American Association of, of Responsible Gun Ownership. But like I told you, it was a joke because I was joking yep. uh, when it when we first when I first said it. But I don't use that term. I say black Americans because it's like I'm American. But if you have to put a descriptive on it, like I'm black, I don't know what Africa looks like. You know, I don't you know, and maybe my ancestors came from there. Maybe they didn't like the the, <laughs> you know, history doesn't really lend itself to accuracy. So yeah. it's like we we have to really look at things for what they are like. I'm an American yeah. and that's all it is. So well, we're, uh, we're, we're American, too. Yeah. And, and and then we're the same. Yeah. You know what I yep. mean? And I think that's the problem, though, a lot of times. Like, we yeah, get I so agree. on our differences that we forget and we fail to see how much we have in common. Mm-hmm. Our commonalities will, will, will bond us more than anything that I can ever think of, say, or that anybody else. You know, what's funny. I have a friend who's a, he's an NYPD cop. It's my best friend. And he said to me, when 9-11 happened, he said, I was, you know, obviously we know, we all know what it was like, you know, in terms of like the magnitude and cops were working around the clock and there was a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, he said to me, um, I'll never forget this. He says, Mike, I got to tell you, you know, I was sitting on a street corner and, you know, it was hot. He's like, I was, I was just out there all day long. And he said, guys that normally I would be chasing down, you know, they they were in all kinds of stuff. They were doing things they shouldn't be doing. Battles, battles between them and the cops. He said, those are the people who are coming over to me and saying, like, officer, here's here's a bottle of water. Like, you know what? Like, you haven't eaten in a while. Like, let me give you a sandwich. It's it's amazing how when in America, this is one of the best traits of our country. When the shit hits the fan and things are really, really down is when we are actually at our best. Yep. Because we're united. We are actually united in those moments. And the problem is we forget about all that stuff. Yeah. All the other times. And maybe maybe it is the way that this maybe it is the great things about this country that make us forget the yeah. freedom to be able to do all these things. I, I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting a little philosophical here, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> but no, I mean I mean it's real. I mean it's it's akin to I don't know if you guys come from large families or not. Uh, but you know, you fight with your siblings, yep. you know, but let today, somebody fight today, one of your fact. siblings, let somebody mess with one of your siblings and the whole family turns on them. Yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? yeah. So it's, it's the same, you know, it's that same, it's that same ideology that we're united as, as different as we are, we're still united. Um, and even though we don't share the same blood, we share the same blood. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I think that's more so the reason for the documentary because, I want people to like, I, you guys got kids. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all fathers. There's nothing that I wouldn't do to keep my three kids safe. Nope. Nothing. If it means that I have to blow up the world, I will do it. Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, I'd be on the next ship to Mars, but I'd do it <laughs> if I had to, to keep my kids safe, you know? Um, and I'm sure you guys are the same thing. Yeah. Uh, same way. I mean, so it's like, like, it's why I'm a, it's why I'm a, it's why I'm a, a gun owner. <laughs> Exactly. So watch this. So uh, the NRA Carry Guard Expo was here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a few years ago. And Kevin Dixie and I went outside to talk to some of the protesters just to get some perspective, Mm -hmm. because we never really talked to, you know, you go to gun shows, you see people protesting, but 
you know, people razz them and they harass them and they say things, but nobody ever really talks to them. You know, so we went out and we decided to to have conversations or attempt to have conversation with these uh, protesters. And we had some good conversations. And one lady talked to us and we talked for a good minute and come to find out the things that she was against with firearms are the same things I'm against. I'm <laughs> against the illegal sale of firearms. Common ground. I'm against, huh? Common ground. Yeah. Like, like, like I'm against, um, uh, uh, people doing bad and illegal things with firearms. Yeah. That's, that's not what we're about. Come to find out she was also an educator that mm. we had more in common that she was a mother and I was a father, that we had a more in common, like the desire for our kid. Her son played baseball. I'm a baseball player. My son plays baseball. Like, so we ended up talking more about the things that we had in common than what we were different on. When we left, we hugged. You know, this is pre-COVID, of course, but we hugged. And it was genuine. It wasn't fake. But she learned that day that we are not all animals. We're not just carrying guns because we want to hurt people and we want to do bad and and all of this. No, that wasn't the case. And she learned that day that the things that you want, I want too. I want my community safe. That's why I carry a firearm. You know, I I, I want my um, my children to be safe. I want the same things you do. I don't want bad and illegal things to happen with firearms. I don't want that. So we don't differ there. But what they don't know is that their approach is based in ignorance because they refuse to accept the the firearm, uh, the, the world of firearms in whole, you know, in total. So they don't understand it. So they're still afraid of it and they fight it because that fear, you know, breeds that ignorance and it continues to breed that ignorance and that ignorance continues to breed the fear. And it's just this revolving cycle that they stay, they stay stuck in, you know, but, you know, I said all that to say like, we, she was clearly anti-gun at the, at that point. I don't know if she still is or whatever, but, um, but she found out that, Hey, we're people just like them and we don't differ very, very much at all. Mm -hmm. You know? So I want to give you a, a little bit of, um, uh, more plug for this the documentary here. I, I know you partnered with American Defense to uh, design a, a rifle that uh, is affectionately called Bravo Oscar, Oscar right? Mm-hmm. And all the proceeds that are going to help fund the documentary, how, how's it going? Uh, we've sold a lot. And um, ironically, it's been in restrictive states. Uh, <laughs> Get out. No, like California has been my biggest consumer. Wow, uh, that's crazy. Of the Bravo Oscar. Is it because uh, you're the only one that has availability? <laughs> I mean, uh, it could be. Yes. Yeah. So if you need a rifle, I'll let you. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, could be the cause. It, it could be the cause, cause but yeah. I think I think it's just, I think it's maybe a combination of both, uh-huh. you know, um, but uh, California has been my number one hmm. uh, by far. Uh, California, then here, of course, and then uh, uh, Philadelphia. Like, but it's been all over. It's when, been all over. When are you going to sell enough to uh, get Black Ops to the masses? I mean, like, th- like I'm just getting, you know. So ADM was g- generous enough to donate and say that we're going to donate the, you know, after their cost is recapped, uh, recouped rather. Um, uh, we'll give you, you know, what we would have 
taken in profit. So it's not much. So I would have to sell a whole lot, but it's going to help. Uh, definitely, because I have to fund this documentary grassroots and on my own, which has been the hardest part about it, uh, because when I tried to shop it around initially, uh, people like people really wanted to change it. They wanted to change the narrative. And I like, no, like, like, don't get me wrong. Like I, there, there's there's a segment in there where we cover people who are anti and how uh, firearms have been used in in bad ways. Uh, but again, like I just said in that conversation that I had with the, uh, anti-gun protester, you know, we don't want those things either, you know, and that commonality, like I think is where, you know, it, it needs to be discussed, but it also needs to be discussed in the light that removal of firearms isn't going to help it. Uh, and we need to talk about why it's not going to help it and how, uh, firearms education and training and conflict de-escalation and conflict resolution uh, are going to help. I sound like my buddy Mod. <laughs> do, do you have Do you have a date in mind, like or a year that you want to when do, When do you want to get this thing out it's for public? Kind of want to see it now. Now, now yeah, I want to see it too. Can we see a cut? Can we see an edit? Um, there's there's some there's some rough edits and the rough cuts uh, in portions, but nothing is put together because. Honestly, I've had to rewrite it three or four different times. Oh man! And and that's and it's it's been a good thing though. It's been a labor of love. Like I had I had no idea how to write a documentary. None, none. Uh, and I know I saw I saw I remember I saw this thing that said in a feature film the director is God, but in a documentary God is the director. So it's like it, it happens when it happens. Um, but it, it's a good thing because there's been so much that has happened socially. And in our society that I've had to uh, include that wasn't included uh, before. Yeah. Right. So like, like, you know, and I, so, and I so think just, that I would just current, this current status is making you, making you continue to build this thing. Absolutely. You know, um, and it's become bigger than I even thought. And looking back at what it was when I first wrote it and I got my first little bit of filming done um, and it's still not, I'm still not done filming. Um, but, uh, looking back at it, it would have been so terrible and just so incomplete, uh, had I not, you know, included these things. Yeah. Well, there's so, some, some reason why you started this when you did and are still working on it during what's going on to be able to put it all together. So maybe, maybe it was some sort of fate. Yeah, I, I believe so. I hope so. And come to find out, though, uh, documentaries take a long time. to. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, some of them do. So, for sure. uh, and I'm right on par with them. But but, you know, hopefully we'll get this out in the next year or so. Oh, good. Uh, I'm partnering with some big people. I mean, or bigger corporations and companies now um, that could lend some definite assistance um, without trying to change the narrative. Of, of the documentary. So that's my goal. Uh, because when I chopped it out to Hollywood, they loved it. Like, Oh, I love it. Like, you know, let's get it on vice or let's get it on, uh, you know, on whatever. Yeah. I mean, and, any of these streaming services, this is like right up their alley, you know, like, well, but not a lot of them, like, like you say vice, but vice isn't really friendly to conservative, you know, more conservative issues, which gun rights tend to be, although they shouldn't be. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's, you know, uh, but so it's, it, they're, they're definite battles that I'm fighting. So, and, um, but if people want to help, um, 
they can help me because I do have a GoFundMe. So you can uh, you can definitely hit the GoFundMe. Uh, I'm not going to give you the GoFundMe link. I'm going to give you the link to my website. Uh, you can go to www.argoj.com, and that's three A's. So it's A-A-A-R-G-O-J-A-Y.com. Uh, the link to donate is there. The link to the Bravo Oscar rifle is there. Uh, the link to my new line, well, I do merch also, but the newest T-shirt is Gun Rights or Civil Rights, as you mentioned. Uh, that's my newest T-shirt that's out. Uh, so there's a link to all of that there. And all of that will help me to help get this thing uh, completed and out so that the people can see it. Now, the documentary, you know, I want to I really I really want to hit on this point because I, I actually think you and I might be in lockstep on this, what I'm about to say. And that's the documentary from what I'm get, gathering from everything we're talking about is really about sort of dispelling rumors and myths about black gun ownership. And, you know, I feel we all know stats can be adjusted and swayed, right? We can, we can play games with stats all day long. I, well, I thought of a, I thought of a quote that I, that I think I'm going to do about this. And it's, you know, we, everybody always says numbers don't lie except statistics. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I before the show, we looked up um, statistics from Pew Research, and this is the numbers that, that we have. So white people in this country own 30, 30%, 36% of guns, and this is not in the household. This is you're the owner. 36% owned by white people versus 24% by black people and 15% uh by Hispanics. Now th- that leaves a little bit out, but let's say it in Asian people, Asian Native Americans, Americans, whatever, right? So people who just identify as Americans. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you have to understand. So if you're if you're Hispanic or Latino, when you fill out your paperwork, you have to check white. So uh it's going to be logged as white. So those numbers are already skewed. Right. So now let's continue on down this path. My point of this is the do I say anti-gun, the anti-gun, what do you want to call it, media? Anyone who uses these stats, they love to point out that, like, you know, it, the, the, you know, white people are gun owners. White people are gun owners. Like, they, they don't really want to point out that other people could possibly own guns. But when you, do, when you do the math, white people actually account for less than people of color if you combine people of color, right, which they love to do. Like, they, they, that's something they love to do is, like, it's, it's like right. white versus people of color. Yeah, I mean, white people own a third right. of the guns. Yeah, like, not to go back to this, but, like, I'm white, but, like, you know, m- my family all came from Sicily. Like, does that count for any, like, why am I being lumped in as just white? And I, I don't really, you know, I'm American, like we said, I'm American, but my point is, argument, yeah. you're just lumping me in, you know? No, my grandfather is 100% German. Yeah. His name is Wilhelm Schnell. Yeah. So, like, oh, God. That's yeah. So, true. does that make me like, so what does true. that make me? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, did your grandfather say he was black or did he say he was a German? He said he was a German. My, my, my great grandfather. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. But my point is, is that, like, you know, God, it's so maddening because it is maddening. They, they love, you read news articles and the the uh, ill-informed, the people who, they mean no harm. They just, they, they're scared of guns. They don't want anything to do with guns. And they're reading these stats and they're just putting labels. They're putting yeah. labels on all of us. We're all just, you know, you're black, we're white, someone else is Asian. And, and it, it's like, yo, you can't own guns. There's no way you own guns. You're black. There's no way that's possible. Look at the stats. Well, I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just, it's mind blowing that, they're able to pull the wool over so many people's eyes. Am I, am I wrong here, Jay? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just crazy yeah. to me. 
it goes it goes back to what we were talking about earlier and 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 the way that society just is today the way that we we don't validate what we read we don't source what we read we consume it in 20 second video bites and the headline is you know the largest group of gun owners is white americans or white men, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? That's how it's presented. And statistically, yes, that's true, but it's no more than any other two groups put together or, or, you know what I mean? Well, there was an article today that came out and it said black gun ownership on the rise, but gun store owners, not no black gun store owners, Yeah, black, black store gun store owners. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe they just don't want to own a gun store like is that possible like why does that have to be can't they just can't someone buy a gun and not want to be a gun owner gun store owner Or maybe you just don't know every black gun store owner that's out there (laughs) maybe exactly exactly (laughs) i know i can think of right now five new black guns store owners within the last year and that's just thinking off the top of my head right and i know that there are more what Mike has mentioned a couple of times, we always, we're talking here. We are talking about w- this right now, and women are the largest, you know, uh, new growing. <laughs> growing new gun owners. <laughs> it's it's just crazy. It's just crazy to me that um, that's why as gun owners we really need to be united. Yep, we really need to be united because everyone else is against us. We might as well we might as well not fight amongst ourselves. You know, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. You know, we we can't keep fighting. We can't keep consuming ourselves and cannibalizing ourselves and and continuing to bicker because the the our opposition is getting stronger i remember when mom's demanded action was laughed at because they had a rally and like 30 people showed up and they tried to make the photo look like there were yes. 100 people yeah. and now you look at a mom's demand action rally there are tens of thousands <laughs> of people yep at these rallies like so yeah you like you, you just said like we're fighting like we they're working yeah you just said like we have to stick together which brings me to my next point which is listen there's a lot of pro-gun organizations i'm not going to really name names i mean we can but uh with a reputation of not being fully inclusive of, of other races and i'm not saying it's i'm not saying it's intentional right but it just there's a feeling of not being inclusive and i believe this to be true of White people, black people, Hispanic people. I, I I don't think this is like one versus another. I just think that there we put ourselves in pockets, and personally, it really bugs me. Um, this actually might have been the thing that happened on Clubhouse. Actually, this might have been might have been the conversation. <laughs> um, so, how do you feel? Like, how do we end this division and all unite under you know under just gun owners? We have a club that, that we're just gun owners. It, there is no you know, we cater to this race or we cater to that race? Like, how do we unite under one banner? Well, you know, so it, it's it's a little more complex than that. Um, so the reason, and, and I have to kind of, you know. We were hoping you would say that, Jay. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I asked this question for a reason. Go ahead. So let, let me start off by saying, uh, and this is my words and not, um, not yours, okay? This has nothing to do with your show or your sentiments, or this is purely Argo J running his mouth. Um, but I like the disclosure. Yeah. But screw the NRA, like, because they have been the biggest hindrance in diversifying the community. They have been one of, I should say. 
And I was an NRA member for a very long time, a very long time. Um, matter of fact, people could catch me at most of the NRA shows. I you know, sat on many panels at the NRA shows, have been on many television shows and NRA TV and been on this and that and the other and interviewed several times at NRA. And I supported, wholeheartedly supported the NRA until this. We were trying to diversify the NRA and we were being told that our concerns were being run up the flagpole. Well, and when while, there was while this, Wayne was flying around on his thirteen thousand right, jets, right, right, buying boots and fancy <laughs> schmucks stuff that you know, whatever. So uh, then there was the the culling of you know a lot of the board members. Uh, three major board members left and resigned. Uh, Chris Cox got fired, who was also an ally of ours, um, who tried to bring about change. Um, while all this stuff was happening. You know, I ended up talking to one of the board members that resigned and I said, yeah, you know, we talked to this other high ranking board member, blah, blah, blah. And they're taking our concerns up. And he kind of interrupted me and said, wait, who? And no, that never happened. And I said, well, yeah, he told us, you know, it happened. He said, no, it never happened, because if it would have, the first place it would have landed would have been on my desk. So you're telling me for the last two, three years, this person has been lying to us, to our face. Oh, my goodness. The entire time. And come to find out, yes, they had been. Uh, and then the person in not, you know, in no uncertain terms, pretty much told us, well, we're not, NRA is diverse enough. You know, really? we got Coleon Noir. We got this, that, and the other. We got Dana, who's native. Uh, we got Blase Blah. So, you know, we're diverse enough. So the Highlander effect again. So there can only be one, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I, you know, full disclosure, I am a Lifetime NRA member and I bought it. Early on, not early on, but in my journey, I was like, you know, I really want to, uh, to, you know, back up what I say. You know, I want to yeah. walk the walk, talk the talk kind of thing. But I have to say, like, I'm done with them at this until things change. Like, there's just until a lot of reasons, say. you know. Right. But what I'm, but what I'm saying, so the sorry, I'm glad you, you name dropped. So since you name drop, I'm going to name drop too. So that's great. I, I agree with you. I'm on board with everything you just said. But then the problem that I have is, and here we go back to the clubhouse conversation. Then you have on the other side, you have Naga. Right. Mm -hmm. And not that you can't, you can be white and be a Naga. That's perfectly acceptable, but it doesn't, it doesn't cater to. And I guess for me, if I'm being, and this is that tough conversation we were talking about, I just don't want to have labels on these clubs. Like I just want to have a club where we're all just gun owners. Well, it's, we'll see it, it. It's, it's like I said, it's not that simple. That's, that's the complex part. So the, the necessity for Naga to be, even, and I hate the name, by the way, but I love the organization because it's fitting a niche that was not being met, a need that wasn't being met because of the reluctancy of organizations to be accepting and, and welcoming to black Americans who are gun owners. OK, so when you if you if you tell me, you know, I can't join and I can't join and this, that and the other then I'm going to say screw you at some point and open my own. And that's what Naga did. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but could they have opened up a club and just called it the Gun Owners of America, Gun Owners of America Shooting Club and just accepted anybody and catered to everybody? No, because and, because the, the name has to, the name has to say what it is in order to let people know 
that you are welcome here. But can't they cover that? Can't they cover that in like their mission and like why they open like what, no, and 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 we're being I mean, facetious here, Jay. Right? We're just talking like in, no, in, no, in you, you know you. what I mean. I'm not trying to say Naga should do anything. I'm just saying like you know couldn't they say listen we're starting this and and we're a group of this individuals because the NRA no, let isn't. Let me just stop you because yeah. what you're in what you're in essence saying is couldn't they just say that hey i'm not black no 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 no, 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 no but it is but it, i know it's i know what you're getting at trust me i do you know what i mean but this is what it boils down to you know what i'm saying because they haven't been black americans have not been included because we are black solely a lot of times okay i'm not saying in the NRA, i'm just saying in general sure uh, and then the reluctancy or hesitancy to diversify is an offshoot of that sort of denial. Okay. And we have to say, and we as black people have to say sometimes, Hey, I am here. I am black. The, when I walk into a room, the first thing you see is not a man. You see a black man and whatever prejudices and whatever thoughts or whatever you have in your head about black people, if you have them or don't, but if you do, the first thing you see is my skin color and they're going to warrant some sort of emotional response. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I, wait, let me, I, let me stop you really I, quick. Let me stop you really quick. That's actually fair. I, I, that's a very fair point. And it's, it's a little hard for me. To, I can't say I know what it's like to be a black man. So I can't, I can't uh, right. put myself in your shoes, but I do have a question. Is it the same the other way? If I walk into a room and there's, you know, 10 black not in a room. Not, not as much. I won't say it's not, but not as much. Because you have to understand culturally, we've been made to have we've been forced to have to accept everybody else. You understand? So it we lived we like I said, we're fresh off Jim Crow. So it was okay for white Americans to walk freely anywhere without thought or without uh uh, uh reservation or without judgment. Okay. But it wasn't the same the other way. So a lot of times we just look at people for being people, you know, we do, but you know, what I think happens though, a lot of times is, is in the media and especially nowadays because the racial tension in the country is, is, is high as giraffe ass. Like um, it, it's, it's, it's more in your face and the very few people that say, you know, oh, F white people or F black people, those are the ones being visible. But those are those don't represent the entire communities of either side. Correct. I don't think. That's and, fair. And that's yeah. the that's yeah. the part that I think, you know, I'm so I'm so appreciative of having this conversation is that you and and us are are trying to make that other the, 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 the majority represented. <laughs> you know what I mean? There is. There is people that are on this position that you're talking about that are in the middle. They're not, you know, they're, they're not all the extremes. You know, we were talking about the gun clubs and this is, uh, so I was looking to join a gun club locally. I went to, went to a club. I was kind of like shooting there just to kind of get my face known so that I could get a sponsor. And I was at a event and this guy came over and started talking. I didn't know him. And the stuff that was coming out of his mouth like it, it actually made me so uncomfortable. I mean, it was very bigoted, very racist, and it was for no reason. Like I, he just started was saying stuff. What's that? Was he black or white? He was white, 
And okay. I, because they're racist for bigots on both sides. Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, no. But my point to this is that I felt so uncomfortable. Um, and then I did a little more digging and it was exactly what you're saying to be, to be fair to what yeah. you said, like th- they made it, it was clear, like who they wanted in their club. And I got the opportunity to join another club and then same time to join this club. And I was like, I, I want nothing. To, I just want, didn't want to know part of it. I felt very uncomfortable there, especially after that. And the club that Keith and I both belong to, um, if I'm being honest, there's when I go to meetings, there are more white people, but they are very tolerant and accepting of black people. I mean, there's black members yeah. in, you know, good number. So my point is, is I found a club that we're just the rod and gun club down the road and we are welcoming of everybody. So I just wish more clubs could be like that, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I get it, you know, and, and, you know, and ideally that's what it would be, but unfortunately that's not what it is. Uh, and I think we have to sit in the reality that is, is in front of us until things change. But I appreciate when we're talking about it, you acknowledging that there are places that are good. Oh, th- absolutely. You know, uh, uh, dang, I forgot what I was getting ready to say. I'm sorry uh, about that. I think ultimately what we're talking about is trying to make sure that we're we're good stewards of the Second Amendment. We're trying to make sure that we're inclusive, all these things, right? So you're 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 a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, what do you teach? Uh, right now, special ed. I'm a special ed teacher. Okay, yeah, okay, so. cool. Very cool. Uh, my wife's a special ed teacher, so near and dear to my heart. Um, is your administrative supportive of supportive of your advocacy, or has it ever been an issue, or do no. they not know about it? What's the? That's why I don't use my real name publicly. But you're on um, YouTube, so I mean, you must be out there. Yeah, you got a video with two million views. <laughs> it, it's funny because parents and coworkers will come up and say, "Hey, you're Argo J." Like I like I had no idea, you know. And <laughs> I, I want, had a I want parent, my kid like, in your class. Yes. Uh, right. I have a parent with six kids and he said, my kids will always go to this school as long as you're here oh, because cool. I know they're going to be safe. <laughs> you know what I that's mean? Cool. And it's like, and he was dead serious. Like, and he was dead serious. Um, and all his kids went to the school, um, until they didn't, you know, but, uh, you know, I don't think that a lot of the lower administration are even aware of the community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of the mm-hmm. gun community. So I don't think so. You know, I'm sure there there are some people who are and some people who aren't. You've skated but, under mean, the radar if, so far. If they're not in my pool, they're not going to know me. And as far as the upper administration goes, they're so out of touch and 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 uh, ideologically aligned with with people who are more anti that I'm probably nowhere on their radar as far as you know them recognizing me or noticing me. Interesting, you know. That was one of the questions I had about you being a teacher is, you know, I mentioned my wife being a teacher. And one of the things that her and I talk about is that, you know, a lot of her coworkers are very anti-gun. <laughs> Does that, has that come up that any of your coworkers know that, that you're Argo? I've never had a real live conversation about guns are bad. What has happened is some of my boys, uh, because I do, our, our school services an area uh, and that's predominantly black. Uh, so most of my students are either black or Asian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some white kids there, but I've had some, some instances where boys are being boys and their curiosity and admiration for guns has come up in class in an, in an inappropriate manner. And I've had people, I've had teachers bring them to me to talk to them, to redirect them. Very cool. So I love that. 
You know yeah. what I mean? I, I absolutely, you know, welcome that. And, and I would love for them to do it instead of chastising these young men and potentially, uh, you know, instead of them take getting a bad situation and give them some education. Yeah. One, one more question about uh, being an educator. I, I, something that I always ask most guests that we have on the show, and that is, is I always struggle with, you know, talking about, you know, this, these type of conversations with my children and, and firearms in general, firearms instructions, uh, safety, safety, all that. So can you give some recommendations for introducing, you know, children to, to that kind of stuff, to the, to firearm safety and, and the second amendment particularly. And, and, you know, give me, give me how, give me your spiel about how, as an educator, how you think we should talk to, to kids. I think that you have to just like, we talked about have the tough conversations with your kids. If you're like, like my son and my daughters were always around guns. So I always felt that they had to be educated on them. Uh, my son is eight right now. Um, he's the youngest of my kids. My oldest is 20, about to be 25. My young, my middle child is about to be 21. And then I have an eight year old. Um, so my eight year old is well-versed on guns and he has been since he's been able to comprehend the English language um, because he's going to live in a house with them. So I need him to not be curious. I need him to know how to be safe. I have to be comfortable with his level of, of understanding um, so that I know he will be safe and that he won't seek out these things. Um, and I have to give him access to these things to kind of, stop it, you know, to, to, to be prophylactic here. So um, I think you have to just teach your kids when, when you think your child is old enough and ready for that, you know, mentally um, and emotionally, because that's a big component too, that we overlook, you know, you have to make sure your child is emotionally sound um, because unfortunately uh, kids are younger, kids younger and younger are showing signs of emotional trauma and you never want to, uh, agitate that kind of situation or agitate that, but, uh, start, start as young as you can. Yeah. You know, I definitely, uh, I definitely, I mean, I agree. Like we're, we're trying that as well. You yeah. know, and I, I want to point something out by the way, I, when you were, you were talking, it was very uh, eloquent, but, but I think you meant to say proactive and not prophylactic, right? <laughs> no, prophylactic by definition means that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a prophylactic measure. Okay. All know? right. Not the other kind of prophylactic. No, not a condom. No. <laughs> I mean, put a condom on a gun if you want to to protect the bear. Write that but, down. You know, put a condom on a gun. That's that's the title of this show. <laughs> put a yeah. condom on a gun if you want to. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but no, but uh, you know. So as far as uh, resources out there, a buddy of mine just wrote a children's book. It's called Erica's Big Day, um, and Erica's Big Day is about a young lady. She happens to be a young black American child who I love two A kids books. Oh, it, and it is so awesome. Um, Erica's big because there's a whole six week curriculum that goes in that's involved with it. Uh, you read the book, and then the kid does this curriculum, and at the end of it, there's a certificate in the back of the I book. Love it. What's the, what's the age this. group it's for? Uh, I would say anywhere around four to ten ish. Perfect. You know, get them started, and then you go on from there. Um, but uh, it's you can find it at ericasbigday.com. Um, it's just a it's just a wonderful wonderfully written book um, by a young man named Ronald Scipio out of uh, Florida. So so Jay, uh, 
I, I want to get to something that it's a tradition on the show, but before we do that, where can people find you? Um, I have a bunch of links in the show notes for a lot of places, but why don't you tell us where, where people can find you? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on social media, um, primarily Instagram. I neglect Facebook and Twitter. I do. Um, I feel like social media yeah, is the devil. Yeah, my kind of guy. Devil. You know what I mean? So uh, I deal with Instagram because I can control it a little bit more. I'm not on um, any of it. Yeah, I, I, I only am because I can't advocate and not be accessible to the people. So, um, um, but I unplug all the time. So I unplug all the time. But anyway, uh, you can find me at uh, A-A-A-R-G-O-J-A-Y. So that's Argo J on everything. Yep. Okay. So yeah. Twitter. we have your website, we have your YouTube channel. It's all there. So anybody looking, you know, you can, you can go to the show notes and it's right there. Um, so we, we have a tradition on the show called run and gun. <clears throat> run and gun is a rapid fire 10 question game. I'm going to ask you 10 questions and we want you to give us the first answer that comes to your mind. Oh, I pulled a hammy already. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do this laying down. So yeah. Fine. Yeah. You're good. You're good. I hear you. All right, you ready for it? And I'm a bit of a jerk, so like, okay, be ready for the answers. All right, let's go. All right, here we go. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Whichever one is on me. Two, what gun would you buy if money was no object? All of them. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Everybody. (laughs) Favorite caliber? Uh, Nine mil. Favorite hobby not gun related? Sex. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? To have more superpowers. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Both. Can't pick one. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Yes. (laughs) You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than a spouse or significant other, if you have one? myself just you all right all right just you i gotta tell you that was pretty efficient it was efficient i'm still confused i don't know anything about you (laughs) (laughs) i mean i thought i I gave great answers but they were great answers i know nothing about you there you're the first one that took that that position and uh i mean you you learned that he'd rather be loved yes we did i I I feel like like fear comes from a place of hate so You know, I mean, if we're being serious, though, you know, fear comes from, you know, fear comes from hate and hate is what we're trying to remove. Um, And, you know, I'd rather be loved because with love comes respect, admiration um, and tolerance. So love me. You know, I have I have to say I said to you favorite hobby, not gun related. You said sex. And then I said, if you could have one superpower, would it be I was waiting for you to say sex is my superpower, (laughs) but you didn't. But I was waiting for it. I, I thought he was going to say to be able to have more sex. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to be able to have what you know more superpowers. Like, I wish I had where I said, okay, right now I'm invisible, but now I want to do this, and then tomorrow I want to do that. So let yeah. me have all the superpowers. Yeah. So listen, so. we we're running on uh, just over an hour and a half right now. We want to have an in-depth discussion about this new Supreme Court case, but I don't want to take up your time. If you're busy, do you no, want to hang around or you want to go? Good. We'd happy to have you. Water, and then I'm good to go. So right, my cool. water's right here, by the way. So I'm good. Sounds good. Let's mix it up. All right, guys. So tonight on Let's Mix It Up, we're going to discuss this newly announced Supreme Court case challenging uh, New York 
Nice Serpa versus Colette. Colette, yes. Colette. New York City gun stuff. Um, so let's let's do a quick brief. Keith and I had a little. It was a little heated, I guess. It got a little. A little oh, it, it, one, uh, why we like each other? We yeah. have these conversations, and we challenge each other. We challenge each other. We don't usually do it on the air. Maybe no. one day we'll do that. Eh, maybe. maybe not. I don't like doing that. I don't either. Don't air your dirty laundry, right? No, we do it. We do it off the air. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, New York, uh, in particular, New York City, is a May issue state. The state isn't May issue, but New York City really flexes those muscles, as opposed to a shall issue state. Right, so those that don't know, shall issue means as long as you're not a criminal, as long as you don't have mental incapacity, you're you're able to uh, get a firearm for concealed carry. May issue is a little different. So in New York City, in particular, you have to show a particularized special need. Right, so that could be you know you carry huge sums of money on a regular basis, and you're afraid of what that could bring on negative you know attention. As opposed to a generalized statement like, I just want it because I live in a neighborhood where I feel I need for self-defense or I have young children and I want to be able to protect them. That's too generalized and not acceptable. And as a result of this, in a, in other counties, we talked about Rockland County, New York, but New York City is a big one. Basically, very few people can get a concealed carry permit. They can get it for in the house or to go to the range or these limitations, but they cannot have one for a full concealed carry purpose. So... Prior to this, there was a little history. There was another NYSERPA case that involved New York City because New York City pistol permit owners could not take their firearms outside of the city. Uh, rather than go through the Supreme Court, New York City said, we'll just change We'll just change the way we do things. And it got dropped. Dismissed. It got dismissed, right, Keith? Mm-hmm. So that's not going to happen this time. They are not going to change and become a shall issue state to avoid this. This is going to go the gamut, right? So, Keith, what's on the line here? What's on the line? Yeah, well, I almost think that they changed the the rule in the last case to avoid what eventually is happening now. Um, And just to be a little bit, you know, just to be a little bit clearer about what you are correct in that that it, it was this issue with New York City that ended up bringing the uh, possibility to send this appeal and and for it to be able to um, to go to the Supreme Court. But really, what this this case is is in in simple terms. And Jay, I want to give you a chance to jump in here once I'm done here. Is that the Supreme Court is being challenged with asked with answering a very specific question that has a lot more consequences for not only the entire state of New York, not just New York City, but the entire country. And the very specific question is, do you, as an ordinary citizen, have to demonstrate proper purpose and need to carry a gun in public? And if they decide, if the Supreme Court decides that, no, New York City cannot ask that an ordinary citizen has proper purpose to carry a firearm, um, you know, concealed or carry a firearm in public, I should say. Then New York State, for example, would no longer be able to not issue an unrestricted carry license like you and I have. We happen to live in a county where you and I have an unrestricted carry license. We can carry it concealed and we can not open carry in New York. That's a different law. But in this purpose of the question, they would no longer be able to tell somebody you can't carry in public. You can't have a concealed carry. 
New York City, like you're talking about, will issue when they see it's fit. Very rare, like you talked about. There were times where I think you were even saying that it was bought, things like that. Pay for play. But now, you know, it's very rare for you to be able to get it. But also outside of that, there are counties in the state of New York that you can't get an unrestricted concealed carry the way we have them. Correct. And that will no longer be allowed if the Supreme Court rules that uh, New York City, in this case, can't do what they're doing. Jay, is it hard to get a pistol permit in Wisconsin? No. It's not, right? Yeah. So that's, um, so you guys are definitely a shall issue, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So Jay, you're familiar with, obviously you're familiar with Heller, right? And Heller said a couple big things from Heller. One was that it it uh, the decision was made that the Second Amendment was not connected to service in the militia, even though the word militia is in the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And second, that it's lawful to have a uh, firearm within your house. So mm-hmm. this case is now, this is huge, right? Because this is now taking that within the home and now we're talking about outside the home. Well, it's funny that what I find so interesting about the comparison already, before this case has even gone through, they're already comparing this c- case to Heller and the reality is they're two totally separate questions. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the reason that this case is being presented is because of Heller not being clear enough. Right, <laughs> right. To deserve, you know, decide. What do you think, Jay? Give us, just give us your opinion on some of this stuff. See, I come from a different space. So, you know, I have a hard time with any of this because I believe that I'm, I'm a constitutionalist. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I believe that any of this discussion is already nullified by the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, right. Fair. And, 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 it, but unfortunately, we live here, and this is what we got to deal with. No, I hear you, brother. I hear a lot you. of people do, though. It's not just us. You yeah, know? No, and, no. you know, me personally, I subscribe to the ABC theory, no matter where I am. So uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Is it always be carrying? Always be carrying. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, I, and that's just me, you know, and I'm willing to suffer whatever consequences come from that, whether they be legal or, or otherwise. Um, but I have to make it home to my family every night. So you bring up an interesting point because you talked about being a constitutionalist because I actually have it written down on my notepad here. Would the, and I, I don't know the answer, obviously none of us do, but would this, let's, let's say that this goes the way of the gun owner, this case, and they say, you can't, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Does that just now say they don't have to prove anything. They can carry a gun outside of the home, period. You can, you said this earlier, Keith, you can make them have a permit to buy the gun, right? But like what I'm asking this, since you said you're constant, does this open up the potential for universal constitutional carry? I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think no, I think yeah. that it, it's going to be up to number one states. Uh, and I think that when the argument uh, is going to be made that this should open up uh, the discussion for constitutional carry. That's possible. That, uh, But I still think that the pushback is going to be, is going to come from, determining what the meter is um that says what deems a person you know capable of possessing a firearm so you know so i think that i I think that this is one of those teeter-totter kind of issues um you know it it could swing either way it can go up it can go down um but i think the majority of it is going to lie in the middle um and it's not really going to be clearly defined, even if, even however it's ruled. Like, I don't think it's a, there's going to be a clear definition. Well, I, I mean, I think they're going to have to answer this question. I mean, they're taking the case, and and that is what 
I think is is very is very interesting about this whole thing is doing some research on on how this all kind of works. Um, you know, they are gonna this at the end of this case, we will have a Supreme Court decision on whether or not you know a state can all right. may issue. <laughs> Here's a question though. So, do me a favor, Keith. Rephrase the question that they sorry not rephrase restate. The yeah. question that they have to answer. For so, the, if you go, if you go and read, you know, so a little bit of history. This, this was a lower court ruling that was up that upheld the New York State New York State gun permit statute um, from the U.S. Um, court of Appeals in the Second Circuit. They they had the original ruling that upheld this law, and the appeal that has been given to the Supreme Court to consider which. They've already discussed it. The Supreme Court. They've they've they they've agreed. Four of them, at least, have agreed that they're going to take this 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 case. And um, in that appeal, in the very specific documents, it's very it's very clear. And I I am sort of paraphrasing here a little bit, guys. Sure. I apologize, but the specific question is: Do you, as an ordinary citizen, have to demonstrate proper purpose and need? To carry a firearm in public. Okay, that's the only question stop, so they're. Stop right there. That's the only thing they're assessing. Okay, I think the answer to that is no. Okay, so wait, wait, but here's where I'm going with this. Follow my 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 logic. Let's say that they say, no, you do not have to provide. Correct. Right. You do not have to. So now, law of the land, Supreme Court, law of the land. Citizens in this country do not have to provide a reason. How does that not open up constitutional carry? Why now? I don't have to because, tell the government. So here's where here's where I think it doesn't. It, so it's already been ruled. It's already you know precedent has already been set that states make decisions on whether or not you have to permit. They are constitutional carry states. New York is one of eight states that limit who has the right to carry a weapon in public. So there's already precedent that you have to, um, in some instances. In New York, a pistol. You have to get a permit to get a pistol. That is not in question. That's not what's being decided on. What's being decided on is can New York State take that permit and then limit you to where you carry it in public? Okay. Did that make sense? It yeah. does. It Perfect. does. Yeah, yeah. That's and that, that's a lot of that provides a lot of clarity. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, either way. So let's say it was going the other way, but I still don't see it opening up the discussion for constitutional carry on a national basis because like I said, you know, ultimately it's the state's decision. Correct. Um, and and I don't think that any any anything else will sway that or or change that fact. Um now we have more states that are adopting constitutional carry and implementing it, which is a good thing. So Definitely. um, you know, the momentum is already in um is already, you know, kind of headed that way. I mean, everything that we're dealing with, everything we talked about tonight, you know, everything that's going on, all the narratives, all the all the the publicity that comes around, you know, mass shootings, but not, you know, homicides that happen in places like Chicago. I mean, we the, this country is is primed for a, a a Supreme Court decision on this topic. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> and a little little preview. It's great timing. 
our next episode, our guest is going to be a Second Amendment lawyer. Oh. So we actually can we can ask a lot of great questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, Ooh, so I've, been, I've been wanting that. I've Jay, wanting tune in. Jay, tune in to our next episode because yeah, is it, I wonder if it's somebody I know. You probably, you probably, he's a pretty, a pretty decent name. Well, it's not, we'll uh, it's not Adam Kraut, if that's what you're thinking. Uh, is he affiliated with Adam Kraut? In some way, I think at one point was. Okay. Okay. Um. So really quick, I just want to just let's. I'm I'm doing this like a like a sporting event. Okay. So let's let's talk about the the votes here, right? So this case is going to go through. It should be Clarence Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Coney Barrett, Kavanaugh. And I, Roberts is like the it goes in the wind, right? But like the votes are there. Personally, here's my here's my take on this. Thomas is a shoe in. Alito's a shoe in. I think Gorsuch, from everything I've read, is a shoe in. Amy Coney Barrett, I think I think she's gonna go hundred percent. Kavanaugh, I was so uh, like on that train. I'm a little nervous about him, mm-hmm. right? And Roberts, I'm a little nervous about. Is there any way this doesn't get voted the way of the gun owner? Keith, yeah, I, I've been since we've been talking since we told each other we were going to talk about this on the show today. I've been trying to think about this, and it's been a while. It's not this isn't something that just came up tonight, right? I I don't know anymore. The more research that I have done into that specific question, I'm so honed in on on what their job is with this appeal that I'm so I'm I'm not sure because of all of the other. The factors that come into this past precedent. You give me know. your give me your definites. Who are your definites on that list? ABC. Yep. You know is ACB. Is, yeah, ICB. I'm sorry. Is is a definite. Okay. Um, Thomas is definite. Thomas is a definite. Definite. And uh, yeah, I mean Alito's. I, I he. I mean those two are pretty. I think those. I think those four are 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 definite. So you're Kavanaugh and Roberts yeah. is scaring you. Yeah, I think I think those are the two that are most on on sure. Okay. But honestly, based on the way, based on again, you know, we talked about uh, elected officials calling themselves leaders, right? You know, the same thing goes here. These these Supreme Court justices are supposed to be able to leave their personal yeah, opinions, at, you know, at the doorstep. Yeah. And if they do that, there is an argument. I don't agree with it, but there is an argument that if they do that, they will not change because of Heller and because of past precedent. And they won't change and break the other way. You they, mean they won't break the other way? They won't break the tradition. Jay, where's your scorecard? What do you think? Robert scares me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But we don't need you. Don't need him if you have the others. Like if no, Kavanaugh doesn't but, break, but I, I really don't know. Because yeah, I, think, I think we have to look at it as how how are they going to view it? Through which lens do they yeah. view this? Um, are they going to look at it as a state issue or a national issue? And if they approach it on a state's issue, I have no fears. If they approach it on a national issue, then I believe it becomes a little more personal. And you, I, they are definitely approaching it as a national issue. I mean, they, you know, they cannot. You know they can't make this decision, and it only applied in New York State. If if they make this decision, it's the law of the land. Jay, you want to hear some real nerdy shit? Go ahead. All right, check this out. So let's say that it goes: Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, ACB, Kavanaugh. Right. So now you have the majority, right? Mm-hmm. Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, mm-hmm. has to cast his vote. He could. 
dissent. He could go the other way and say, no, because for whatever reason, right? But if he does that, if he does not stay with the majority, then the senior most member of the majority, who would be Clarence Thomas, right. gets to be the author of the of the um the ruling. the ruling of the of the ruling of the majority opinion, right? So tactically speaking, if Roberts really wants to be kind of like that fence rider, it's crazy. He will tactically potentially join the majority because now as the chief justice, he gets to assign the author. And from what I'm reading, he would potentially give it to Kavanaugh because Kavanaugh is a little more in line with a more moderate view. What do you think of that? That's like some nerdy yeah, It's shit. crazy. It's crazy. But, but it, I think that, oh my God, see, this is what I don't like. Like These are the things it's, that you don't know, right? These are the things that you don't know about how this works. No, like, like and, I, and I think that this is why, you know, my dad always says this. This is why choosing your, the justices are, are one of the most important decisions that uh, America makes because they lay down the law for the rest of us. And typically speaking, the law is never in our favor. Uh, and I'm speaking are as Americans, not any specific demographic or group. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't like this game of roulette that we're playing, you know, on this level, because it's like, how does that affect each one of us as an American citizen? going forward yeah but you know what I, I i say this about the assault weapons ban stuff too at some point let's just decide let's do it let's just decide yeah, yeah. and then you know what then you're gonna have to decide do you are you going to comply with laws are you not going to comply i mean everyone has their own opinion i've heard a million different opinions but let's let's settle this once and for all and you know what right now if you're a gun owner i feel like the supreme court listen a lot of people hated trump a lot of people would say Trump was not pro-gun, and I know the reasons, red flag laws, I, I get it, right? There's, and I think there's a lot behind that with the NRA and stuff. But if this goes the way of the gun owner, this is, a, this is in no doubt, this has to do with Trump's presidency because he's who put these people on. So, Oh, yeah, there, and there's a lot. Well, there's the ACB, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, she, she alone is, you know, the sleeper, like, like that he put in. Like, so... But she, she's been known to to have a very strong opinion of her own. Yep. So, you know, it, it's not a guarantee. There's no shoe in, you know, with this. So you, you have to see and, and just to, you know, kind of give some more context to the listeners about some of the things that are being said on 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 the left um, when it comes to now this announcement of them taking this. Right. You know, all this is coming out with right around the same time as Biden you know, really, really pushing both both houses in in some sort of unified gun control or, or whatever he's calling it these days. Our our wonderful king here in, in in New York has been quoted as saying, "The streets in New York are not the OK Corral and the NRA's dream of a society where everyone is terrified of each other and armed to the teeth is uh, is 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 not into our values." That's not what's going to happen here. Right. You know know what I mean? Uh, It is really, I I, I just found some other things interesting about the timing of this. And it made me question some things. And it is that, you know, this is the first, not only is this the first gun case that, or gun rights case that has been uh, taken up by the Supreme Court since since, uh, Barrett has joined, but it's also, the first one that's been talked about in 10 years, right? Or more than that. Whatever Heller was. Heller was, 2008, I think Heller was. But this, 
and I and I and I don't know if it's the exact same issue, like if it's the Corlette issue, but this um, this same issue has been quoted as being turned down just a few months before uh, Ginsburg had passed away. So I just it's so coincidental. And to your point, Jay, you know this, you know Barrett being on here is the, is one of the reasons why this is this is a uh, you know this is now able to be talked about. Yeah, it is. But like I said, but why now? You know, is it only because of Barrett? Is it only because now well, they we didn't have, have the votes. votes? They didn't have the votes yeah, before. They didn't well, have yeah. the votes to, to carry it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that goes back to that. Four, you know, you need four of them to say it, and I think they always had four of them to take a case, but they didn't know they didn't swing. know about that fifth. Well, you know? for for the longest time, it was Kennedy was the right, swing, which right. he did go with Heller. He went on the side of Scalia, right? Yep. yep. But. Uh, Robert, Roberts, he's, I mean, I can't believe that Roberts has gone so moderate. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy to me, but you know, I, listen, I, 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 it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, this is probably not going to happen until October. Right? right. One thing you, before you wrap it up, I want to just encourage everyone to be very, very cautious about people opposing, you know, the, the pro gun position on this, on this and trying to compare it to other Supreme court cases like Heller and like some of these things we talked about, remember what we talked about tonight. You, the, there is only one question that they are tasked with answering, and it is that that question that I that I said before: is Do you have to demonstrate? The other thing that could come out of this, and Jay, tell me if you've heard of this, is the level of scrutiny that will have to be held by lower courts moving forward. Meaning, if I I read something, I and I'm not an expert in this, but that the it, what could also come out of this is that the lower courts need to start using strict scrutiny on all gun cases as opposed to a, a lesser scrutiny, and that would make them have to really start to look at these things with a different lens. So the that old, would be huge too. One and of the kind of what I was saying before, because yep. like what what meter is is you know what measurement is going to have to take place in the courts now to determine. Like, it's, it's, there's just way too much. There's just way too much. I think uh, it's a big deal. I I think it's a big deal. I mean, I'm I I I'm very positive about the turnout, the, the outturn. ge- and and the generality of that question. Learning that they really are only focusing on that very specific question in this case is the what question may- is when they answer it. What will the ripple effects yes. be? Is the right. question? Yes. And and let, let, let me let me play devil's advocate then. So knowing what that question is. Will they now maybe change their their determination because of the implied interpretation and what it could mean it's for a risk. arguments for constitutional carry and things it, like that? It, it's a risk. That is a real risk. And I think that it all goes back to precedent. They're going to try the argument of the um, uh, of the. Respondent, which is which is Corlette, is going to probably be that Supreme Court judges from the 1700s have already said that you can't carry a firearm in public. You know, so so I think what you're talking about, Jay, is a real risk. All right, so uh, I do want to wrap it up. Um, I just I, I want to thank you for coming on, Jay. I mean, uh, you know, we we wanted to do a long form conversation at some point this was it we knew this was going to be when we when we booked you we knew we wanted to do it with you and you did not disappoint i I want to thank you for for letting us do those tough questions for for having tough conversation at some points but you know ultimately like you said that's how we grow right we grow from from 
from those conversations. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate you guys uh, sharing your Thursday evening with me when you could have been with your families or doing other things. But uh, we're here talking the, the talk so uh, and walking the walk. So I appreciate it. Cool, man. So God, Keith, go put a condom on a gun. <laughs> To everyone listening, we want to we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media, so be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can keep the conversation going. Guys, have a great night.